Well, good morning, everybody. Um, It is good to see you. I don't get a chance to get up here too terribly often, and so I am thrilled about it today. Um, I was sitting there, and I kind of felt like, um, anybody ever watched the Kentucky Derby? Uh, And you kind of feel like the horse that's ready to go, right? I I was like, I just want to get up there. Um, So uh, show of hands, how many of you are experts at praying? Okay, good. Um, uh, so it's a good thing we're doing this series, right? It's a good thing that we're understanding how we should pray. And today we're talking about um, knowing the God that we pray to. So who are we praying to? And we know that, that, that Pastor Mike just read um, the, the first section, the first verse of um, this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's, it's the introduction of our prayer to the Lord, right? And so it's important that we know who we're talking to, right? Would you agree with that? Um, when, we, uh, when we shook hands this morning, uh, we, we probably said something like, so glad to see you, hope you're having a good day, praise the Lord, right? We did something like that. We gave a greeting, we said hello. The first time you met somebody, you probably introduced yourself. What was the most awkward introduction that you've ever had? Think about that for a second. Um, maybe it was somebody who uh, gave you one of those, those limp fish handshakes, you know. Um, I, I'll tell you this. For me, the, the most awkward introduction I've ever had was to uh, my future father-in-law who uh, lived or lives uh, on the, the coast of Oregon. And he is a logger, and he's a scary dude, not going to lie. Um, when we, when I first met him, he made sure to uh, show me the several different types of guns that he had, that had several different types of uses. Um, uh, he, he, he also took me out to what he calls his man shed, where he makes his own bullets, and made sure I knew that because he makes his own bullets, they're not traceable. And then he told me he manages hundreds of thousands of acres of timberland for the timber company he works for, and he knows lots of places he can bury a guy that nobody would find him. Uh, and here I am, just shivering, right? Like, try to, try to make a good impression, firm handshake, look him in the eyes, don't wet your pants, right? Those are the things that you're thinking <laughs> when you're meeting the guy that is going to be your father-in-law, and here I am just a poor Bible college student with nothing to offer, and I wish I had something. I wish I had a title, you know? Like, I wish I could say, I am Duke so-and-so, or right? Like, nope, I'm just Ben. Well, introductions are important, and the name and title of somebody can oftentimes tell you a lot about them. If you were to meet the Queen of England, you would say, hello, your majesty, right? Something along those lines. Here's how she would be introduced to you. She is Queen Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, queen of this realm and of her other realms and territories, head of the commonwealth, defender of the faith. There you go. That's her name. But how should we address God? He is our Sovereign, 
right? We come to him, and it's a much bigger deal than it would be going into the White House or going into the Parliament building or going into Buckingham Palace when we come into the presence of God. And again, this morning we have the prayer that is the, the sort of the, it, it's the model, like Pastor Mike said, it's the model of how we should pray. This is not a prayer. Jesus isn't saying, now you, you say this three times fast and you'll get what you want, right? That's not what this prayer is about. This is a, when you pray, do these things. And the first thing that you do is you recognize who you're talking to, right? And really what we say when, when we say our Father is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're going to talk through all of that stuff this morning. And I only get up here a couple times a year, so I'm going to throw a lot in here, all right? So buckle it up, okay? But... Um, when we come to God, we are putting him on the rightful place of our lives. That's the first thing that Jesus says. Put him back on the throne of your heart when you start praying. Put him back where he belongs. So this morning we're going to understand who he is, how he belongs there. And uh, in, your, in your bulletins this morning, um, you have a quote from A.W. Pink. And he says this, the foundation of all true knowledge of God must be a clear mental apprehension of his perfections as revealed in Holy Scripture. I put that in there because it's hard to understand unless you're reading it, right? If you just hear it, you're like, mental apprehension, those are big words. An unknown God, here's the critical piece, an unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. So how are we able to worship a God that we don't even know? We don't even understand, we don't apprehend his perfections. And so this morning we're going to talk about knowing the God that we pray to. And as we go, consider the incredible power and striking simplicity of who he is. Let's pray together. Our most holy, our most gracious, our most powerful God, the one who conquered death on our behalf, the one who provides our every essence, our every breath. Father, God in heaven, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in and through us, what you are doing in and through us. Thank you for bringing us into this place so that your word can speak through us. And Lord, I pray that you would be honored in what you hear and see in us this morning. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start off with what Jesus calls God, right? Our good Father. Jesus calls him our good Father. He is our Father who is in heaven. The first time that, we, that, that, that God is recognized as Father is in the Old Testament. And this is a, a perfect description of the relationship that God has with the Israelites, uh, he is their good father, and he proves it because he provides for them. He provides their physical um, needs, right? So when they're in the, the wilderness, he, he gives them manna or bread to eat. Uh, he, he takes care of them spiritually and emotionally. He teaches them, right? The whole first five books of the Old Testament is God teaching the Israelites how to live, how to act, how to think, how to believe. He teaches them lovingly, and then when they mess up, he disciplines them. 
He's a good father. Now, I understand not everybody in this room has had a good father, and I get that. And I understand that nobody in this room except for my kids has a perfect father. (laughs) Right? I understand that, too. But we all share a perfect father. We all have a heavenly father, a good father who is in heaven. And Jesus, often when he's speaking, he uses the, the, the language of the day, and he, he speaks in Aramaic oftentimes. And here in Matthew, um, he's speaking in Aramaic. The, the, the Aramaic word is Abba, Abba, or father. It's the everyday term for dad. Now, I've heard people say it's daddy. I don't know if that's accurate. It, it may be. Um, adults would have used this term as well, so it's more of that, that term of love, that term of, I, I respect you for all of the ways that you have cared for me and provided for me. And later in the Sermon on the Mount, in, in chapter 7, so if you want to turn just a, a page over probably in your Bible to chapter 7, verse number 7, here's how Jesus describes the difference between praying to a God who loves you and praying to a God who couldn't give a rip. Verse number seven, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Verse number nine, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? It's a good question. If your son asks you for bread, dads, you're not going to say, Go pick up a rock. And try to eat that. Or if he asks you for a fish, you give him a serpent. Which one of us dads would do that? Right? If you then who are evil or sinful or or, or full of our own desires know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Right? Even selfish jerks like me know how to be a good dad sometimes. The perfect father knows how to be a perfect father all the time. And he is our good, good father who wants what is best for us. If you are one of his children this morning, if you have decided to follow Jesus, if you are the one who has said, yes, I will, I, I will cling to the cross and to nothing else, then he says, you are my child and I want what is best for you. Remember that song, I have decided to follow Jesus? Anybody remember that one? If you remember it, sing it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Is that your heart song today? If that's your heart song today, if you have decided to follow Jesus, he says, we got this Father who loves us. That's not your heart song. Hang on. We're going to get there in just a minute. We're going to talk about the great lengths that God has gone to to make you his child. So don't tune out yet. But God calls us 
to be his children, and he is our good father. The second thing that Jesus calls him is holy. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your name is reverenced. Your name is set apart. You are holy. Holiness is the the chief attribute of God. Holiness is, is being set apart, being perfect. There is no stain within him. I can be pretty good at my job, but there are some pretty big stains at how I do it. Just ask Pastor Mike. There's, there's big, big black spots in how I have failed him. There's big black spots in how I fail my kids, how I fail my wife. But there are no black spots in God. He is holy. He is pure. He is perfect. He is set apart. And I love how Stephen Charnock, he was a Puritan preacher of the 1600s. This is how he said in Scripture, God is more offered often styled holy than almighty and set forth by this part of dignity more than by any other. This is more fixed as an epithet to his name than any other. The Holy One of Israel, the Holy God of Judah. This is the greatest title of honor. In this does the majesty of his name appear. We sang it this morning, right? The holiness of God. And here Jesus says, your name is holy. Not only are you a good father, but you are holy. In Isaiah 6.3, you want to know how important it is to God? In Isaiah 6.3, we find out that there is an entire, uh, an entire um, group of angels whose whole job it is to sing for eternity, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Their entire job for all eternity is to sing that God is holy. Anybody else think that might be an important part of who God is? If he's got a whole brigade of his heavenly angels doing that all the time. So here Jesus says he is holy. Hallowed be your name. So I want to understand a little bit more about the name of God. Who is God. And, and we find that in Exodus chapter number 3. So we're going to go over to the, New, the Old Testament. So we're in the New Testament right now. If, you're, if, uh, if the Bible is not familiar to you, you're in the New Testament in Matthew. If you go all the way to the front of the book, you find yourself in Genesis. If you go one more book to the right, you find yourself in Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 3, God introduces himself to Moses. And he says, Moses, my name is I Am. If you want to know who you're talking to when you're praying, you're talking to I Am. What does that mean? Well, in Hebrew, it's Yahweh. You may have heard of that one. Or uh, Jehovah. You may have heard of that one. It's the same word, but it's I Am. And so here... Remember that Moses has grown up as uh, an Egyptian, and he, he left Egypt, and he went and became, he, he was a prince, right? Like he was in the court of the most powerful nation on earth at the time, the most amazing nation the earth had ever seen. He was, he was there living in luxury. He was getting uh, fed olives, right? Like uh, olives and grapes, and, and like whatever he wanted, he got, right? And then he went out to the desert and became a shepherd, 
right? So that's who we're talking about. And Moses, when he introduced, or he's introduced to God, he's an 80-year-old dude. And in Exodus chapter 3, we, we see how God introduces himself to Moses. Verse number 13, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Remember what Dr. Pink said, an unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. What in the world can we learn from the name I am? Well, I am means very simply I exist. I live. I have always been. Certainly he's got to be thinking, Moses is like, wait a minute, that doesn't cut it. Right? Um, the, the name, the official name of, of uh, King Tut, remember King Tutankhamun, right? Uh, the, the, the pharaoh, right? The official name of King Tut was the strong bull, pleasing of birth, one of perfect laws, who pacifies the two lands, elevated of appearances, who satisfies the gods, lord of the forms of Ra, the living image of Amun. That's a cool name, right? Sorry, Drew, we failed you. Drew is shorter than this. <laughs> Ramses, the guy who's probably the pharaoh at the time that, that Moses is going to go into to Egypt, his name is Horus, the strong bull, beloved of Ra, the great of majesty, protector of Egypt for the two ladies, rich in years, great in victories forever, the dual king, the justice of Ra is powerful, chosen by Ra, the son of Ra, Ramses, beloved of Amun. Moses says, what is the name that I should tell them of the God who has sent me? And God says, I am. I am. I, I exist. I have always existed. I will always exist. I am the self-existing one. I am the uncaused one. I am the only one who can say, nobody birthed me. Right? Right? Your, your, your mom says, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. Yep. Every one of us has one of those. God does not. The only uncaused one the one who exists, the one who will exist. He quite simply is. And he brings into existence all that is. See, the I am, the self-existing one, does not depend on anything or on anyone, but he brings into existence all who depend on him. That is the God that we pray to. He does not need us. He's not only the self-existing one, he is the unchanging one. Look at verse 15 of Exodus chapter 3. What does he say? Verse 15, this is my name forever. Friends of the Sandlot, right? Fans of the Sandlot? Forever. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout the generations. I am. I exist. 
I always will exist. He declares himself in this way so that Moses knows that he is the unchanging one. I have always been, and nothing will change that. Imagine how encouraging that would be for Moses. So here's this 80-year-old dude. He's a shepherd. He's been told, you're going to go, and you're going to charge the gates of, of, uh, of, of Egypt, and all you're going to have is a shepherd's staff. Oh, and you'll have me. <laughs> so you'll have this staff, and, and, and you'll have your, your, your brother, I guess. He, he's not much help, but, but you'll, have, you'll have me. And he says, I'm calling you to save my people from Israel, and I won't change my mind. Let me, let me say that again. I won't change my mind. Because I don't change. Right? So, so imagine being Moses and being like, I have to walk into the most powerful nation on earth with a staff and say, let a million and a half slaves go. Right? Things would have been a lot simpler if the Civil War had, acted, had turned out that way, right? But ultimately, we were fighting to let slaves go and so many lives we're lost, and yet here God says, I will be the one doing the fighting. All you need is your shepherd staff. And God says, I'm the unchanging one. I will do what I have promised. So Moses says, I can go into the court of Pharaoh, and you and I can say, I can bring him my petitions because he is the unchanging one. Because he is he exists, he always has existed, he always will exist, and he is my father. See, he promised to rescue the Israelites from Egypt, and ten plagues later, he did. And he promised to rescue us from our sin, and one cross later, he did. And for you and for me, we know that he will keep his promises because he is and he is unchanging. But see, now Moses was tending the flock in Exodus chapter 3. Again, Moses was tending the flock, verse number 1, of his father-in-law Jethro. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to the Mount of Horeb. Because, see, see God is going to give him a picture of who he is. He's going to give an illustration of his character through the burning bush. Anybody ever heard of the burning bush? You heard of it? A couple of you? See, he's going to give us an understanding of who he is in the burning bush. Verse number two, the angel of the Lord, who usually is, is Jesus, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'm going to go look at this thing, right? Here's this 80-year-old dude who's lived in this wilderness, this desert for 40 years, and he says, now this is different, right? How many of us, how many of our um, senior saints, you're seeing new stuff all the time? Probably not, right? Like for the most part, it's all been there, done that. Maybe it's got new technology, but you've seen it before, right? You've seen the story before. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned to look, God told him to come into the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. 
Verse number five, then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet because where you're standing is what kind of ground? Holy. There's that word again. I'm glad we sang about it this morning. Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid. So what does the burning bush tell us? about who God is, about who this I am is. Well, this is a different kind of a flame, man. What do you need for flame? I, I heard there was, there's four things now, but what, the, the, the three things. Oxygen. Heat. And something for it to burn, right? It's got to have something to burn. It's got to have something to consume. Fuel. So fire... Um, I heard one preacher put it this way. Fire is a compound of energy sources, right? It's a compound of different energy sources. That's why uh, when you smell tires burning, they smell different than leaves because the, 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 the chemical reaction is different. Different kinds of wood, when it burns, it smells differently because it's a different chemical reaction. So, so there's a, a compound of these different energy sources, but this flame is perfectly holy. This flame does not, is not a compound of anything. See, it's in the bush, but it's not consuming the bush. Why? Because it doesn't need the bush. It is completely independent. See, God is independent, and that's what this bush is telling us. God doesn't need anything. It's like God's telling Moses, in your sojourn on this earth, you will never find a better better illustration of who I am than this burning bush because I'm independent. See, I don't need anything. So when you come to God and you pray to him, why does that matter? Because God's going to give you what's best because he loves you. Not because you, you, you gave enough at the offering or you didn't give enough in the offering. See, God can't be harnessed God can't be, um, there, there's, there's prosperity preachers all over the place who are going to say, if you just buy this or you give us enough money, God will bless you. That's not how God works because God doesn't need anything. God is independent. He didn't need the, the bush to burn. He doesn't need anything. He is, he is 100% holy. And so when we come to him and we pray to him, we pray to this God, We pray to a God who isn't after anything. He's not needing you to do anything for him. He's not requiring anything. He's just loving you as a father. He's giving you what you need. See, the other thing that this bush tells us about who God is, is that he is redemptive. Because not only is this bush, does God not need the the bush to burn, but he's protecting the bush. Have you ever been to the desert? really dry, really hot. Why isn't this bush burning? If there's a flame in the bush, why isn't it burning? Because God's protecting it. See, God's protecting the bush just like he's going to protect his people Israel and how he protects you and me. And so what we have is a picture. We have a picture of who God is what God's going to do for us. And that's why Jesus calls us to pray boldly. That's why Jesus says, come into the presence of God and say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
He says, you have an open entry into the throne room of God because he is your father. He is holy. He is the I am who is the self-existing one, the one who doesn't need anything, the one who can't be bribed, the one who can't be seduced, the one who can't be tortured into giving something up. He is the one who just exists and he does what's best for his children. And that's who we pray to. That's who we can trust with our prayers. That's who we can trust with our, with, with our salvation. And see, Moses did great things for his great God because he knew and trusted him. That's what A.W. Pink told us to do, right? We've got to know and trust the God we serve. Moses knew and trusted him, so he walked in and he said, let my people go. And when Pharaoh said no, Moses said, all right, I'm going to let God take care of it. And God did. So what happens is that Moses walks in to Egypt with a shepherd's staff, and God releases his people. God does the work. Moses prays to his God, to his Father. And then what happens, see the true and better Moses, he comes and he storms the gates of hell with a wooden cross. And he lets those who are slaves to sin go. He lets those who are the ones who are kept by Satan, he sets them free. So for you who said, that may not be my heart story, listen up. This is when you're tuning back in. Ready? See, Jesus Christ, who needed nothing, who has always been and always will be, the all-sufficient one, the one who does not need anything, he became what we needed him to become. He who had no end, sorry, he who had no beginning was born in a cave for you and for me. He who needed nothing, he who was all sufficient, gave that up so that he could rely on his mother, Mary. Rely on food and on sleep and on oxygen. He gave all of it up. He who has no end dies and is buried in a borrowed cave for you and for me. He goes on a rescue mission for you and for me so that we can be his children so that we can come to him in prayer and say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed is your name. Wow. The I am, the self-sustaining one, the one who gives us all, leaves it all to bring salvation to you and to me so that we can do great things for God. We can do great things for God when we align our hearts to his. And the way that we do that is we pray. And we come to him and we say, I am no longer the most important person in my life. You are. 
I understand that I am not the self-sustaining one. You are. I understand that I am not the one who has existed for all time. I am not the one who has all power, all authority. I am not the one you are. I will put you back on the throne of my heart. And because I align myself to him, to the only uncaused one, to the only uncorruptible one, to the only unending one, I can come to him boldly in prayer. This is our Heavenly Father. This is the one Jesus instructs us to pray to. The one, the I am, the God of our salvation. Would you stand with me this morning? If this is the day, if today you can't say that that was my heart song, that I have decided to follow Jesus, my prayer is that you would make that decision. My prayer is that you would make that decision today. That this would be the day of your salvation. But for the rest of us, we have been called into a relationship with God. We have been, he, he has paid the ultimate price so that we could have a relationship with him. So that we can call him Father, Abba. So that we can bring our, our, our petitions to the self-existing one, to the one who can provide for everything that we need. And yet, oftentimes, we don't take advantage of it, do we? Usually we don't. Usually we just kind of let God go by. And maybe we pray before meals, but we don't address him otherwise. Well, the cool thing is that we've built in a time for you to pray into this service. So if the Lord's calling you to pray... The Lord's calling you into his presence to, 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 to claim him as your father. Would you come this morning as the instrumentalist pray, or play? We're going to allow you to come. Use this as a place to get away and just pray to the Lord, your father, the Holy One of Israel. Father, thank